Hello and welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name's Mike, I'm the pastor at WBC and you're joining us for the last of an eight-part series which we've run in parallel with some material from the LICC, that's the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. That's a, a rather long and cumbersome name for an organisation which is doing some great work helping people like you and me identify what it means to bring uh, following Jesus into the whole of our lives. We've been looking at a sequence called Growing on the Front Line, and this aims to look at understanding who we are and how we tick. Putting that in the context of what the Bible says about how our Creator intends for us to be, and then trying to apply that to how we go about doing things on our front lines. And we don't just have one front line, we have various different places where we are at the coalface of the community around us, of the, of the world uh, in which we live and the circumstances in which we've been placed. We're going to have a look at some verses from Romans 12 today. As ever, I would urge you, uh, alongside this teaching, to look at the material that LICC have provided. If you're part of Watch It Baptist Church, that means you should be part of a small group, and a small group uh, would include somebody who can tell you how to log on to look at that teaching. There are eight different video series to look at, little um, sets of three videos, each one around about five minutes long, that really um, flesh out a lot of what I've been talking about over these eight parts. It's worth going back and having a look at them if you've missed any, and it's definitely worth having a look at the book that sits alongside them as we look through what it means to be disciples who are involving Jesus in the whole of how we live. I'm going to read from Romans 12 in a moment, but we're going to pray first. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, we long to follow you. And we acknowledge and confess that very often it's easier not to. It's easier not to have the routines that put you at the centre of our lives. But as we look at these verses and as we consider for the last time, some of this thinking about growing on our front line. As we do that, we want to ask you to invest yourself in us, despite our flaws, despite our half-heartedness, despite those moments where we choose that the Jesus way is not our favourite way. Would you invest yourself in us by your Holy Spirit and help us to become more like the person you made us to be, fulfilling our potential in you. Amen. Right then, I'm reading the whole of Romans 12. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation, uh, which is, I have a paper copy of here, I'm not reading it off the screen today. Uh, so let's get into it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. 
Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. They are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. OK, there's really one point that I want to make this time around, and it's made in two different ways in this passage. In one way, it's made about the community of believers, of disciples. And in another way, it's made about the community outside that, those who don't know Jesus yet or are resistant to him. In both cases, Paul is saying, listen, Loving other people really matters and you don't get to grow in that love in any way other than living it. If you don't do the thing that love does, then you won't grow in having the love that you should have. This is what C.S. Lewis meant when he wrote that we shouldn't worry about whether we love people, we should behave as if we love them. And then in due course, the love itself will grow. Now, the guys who present the LICC videos talk a bit more about how this might work and how we put it into practice. In reality, all they're doing is drawing on the passage that we've just been reading, that Romans passage. Let me give you an example of how that works. Verse nine, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. 
hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. I would say that in that context, Paul is simply saying, um, hate what is not loving towards each other, hold tightly to what does demonstrate love towards each other. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. And that works in so many ways, doesn't it? For us in this local expression of Jesus that is the church, when we honour each other, we are recognising that the other, the other person, the other people, have something particular to bring, something specific to who they are and how they see the world. For many of us, that honouring needs to include looking at those whose perspective might seem to us I don't know, less developed, a bit naive perhaps, uh, a bit more childlike, a little bit less sophisticated, and say, how can I honour that perspective? Yes, there may be things I can do to help those whose perspective is simple or childlike to grow. But if I do that in a way that means I don't honour what's already there, then I'm not loving them. Many of us would do well to listen carefully to those whose perspectives are simple and childlike. But not just those either. I spent a bit of time in um, some mandatory training for Baptist ministers to do with diversity. And one of the key things that was put across there was that was the question, whose voice are we not hearing? If we're going to be honouring one another, we need to make sure that all the voices of those who love Jesus are heard. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, it's hard to say for sure whether Paul was saying here that there were people in the church in Rome who were lazy. And certainly when it comes to um, the early church, there is a model there of almost a welfare state that people would look after each other. And that those who allowed themselves to just be looked after and didn't contribute were a drain on the community. So it was important to Paul, perhaps, to make sure that that sort of stepping back and allowing yourself to only be looked after didn't happen. If that's correct, if I understood that right, then Paul is saying step up and participate. Be involved. And this doesn't just mean in terms of providing um, finance or food. It does include those things, but it also means in terms of the spiritual health of the fellowship. Bring what you have. Don't simply expect others to minister to you. Minister to them as well. Some of us feel less confident about that because we're not sure how to minister. And we don't want to be seen as pushy or holier than thou or super spiritual. These are things that we might need to learn how to do well as we do them. But do them anyway. Do the ministering to others thing. Be a participating partner in the life of the local congregation. That is, after all, why we at WBC refer to partners rather than members. So you get to the uh, to verse 13, it says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. This should be a community, uh, the people of God, who support each other. We go back to verse 4 and 5, and Paul is there riffing on a theme that he also uses in 1 Corinthians 12 when he says um, the church is a body and it has many uh, parts and those parts have functions and those functions should be exercised and we belong 
to each other. The ICC material uh, references this ability that trees have to communicate with each other through the fungus that grows among their roots to share nutrients and support each other in some ways too. And they draw on that and say, actually, there is no such thing as an independent disciple. We are all designed to be interdependent, relying upon one another as we rely on Christ, with each other as representatives of Christ, which is, after all, what Christian means. Christian means little Christ. It's not that complicated as a term. So then we kick on to verse 14 and Paul writes, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Now, these are bits of guidance for disciples about how they engage with those who are outside the church. Those who are sad, get alongside them. Empathise with them. Recognise their pain. Don't try and fix it all. Sit with them when it's hard. Celebrate when they celebrate. Even if they're celebrating something that you wish you could celebrate and you haven't had the chance. Stand with them in their joy. And allow others to stand with you in yours and to sit with you in your pain and your tears too. These are things that help the body of Christ become truly united. And as Paul begins this passage, this chapter, he says, this is part of how we give ourselves, our bodies, our entire being to God as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. And as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone else. This is interesting, isn't it? We, we see there is a, a chunk just before this where we're talking about how we relate with others in the church, where we're seeing this idea that Jesus talks about, where we are recognisably disciples because of the way we love each other. And it's then in this section that you see how Paul says this might spill out beyond the church. There might be a, a way that we have of dealing with people that means that we stand out. That we are living at peace even with those we disagree with that we are not retaliating when we are hurt that we are honorable and noticeably so to the community around us and he finishes with uh, what feels very much like it's borrowed from jesus if your enemies are hungry feed them if they are thirsty give them something to drink in this way you will burning you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads actually first found in Proverbs 25, 21 to 22. Always worth cross-referencing these things, finding where they come from. You may think, why do I want to burn heaping coals on somebody's head? And perhaps that's a question for another day. But what's interesting is that, um, is that all, Jesus, Jesus is saying, and Paul is following up with this idea, that when we do the right thing by people who've done the wrong thing by us, we throw into stark contrast their behaviour and ours. We make their poor behaviour look poor and we make our behaviour look more godly. And that, after all, is what we're trying to do. We're not trying to make ourselves look special. We're trying to demonstrate to people what Jesus is like, 
how God intends humanity to work. All the way through this series, we've had this motif of the tree, a fruit tree that bears good fruit, but which needs to have its roots in good soil for that to happen, and which needs to be well tended and cared for. We are those trees. It's fair to say that the way in which we gain that nutrition, the way in which we get well watered, has much to do with how we involve and include and, and uh, invite Jesus in to our lives. It also has to do with how we allow the disciples around us to encourage and provide for us, to support us, to be our cheerleaders, to point out to us when we're maybe getting it a bit wrong. And so to be ready for them to say so. There is no substitute for the things that will send our roots deeper into Jesus. That's why some of the prayer um, patterns and, and techniques that we've been talking about over the last few weeks are so important. They are there to be used. As uh, one of the guys in the video material says, um, you know, it's a tool. And, and actually, there's no point in having a tool if you hang it up and, and look at it and say how pretty it is or how, how, um, how good it looks on the wall. Once you've hung it, what you need to do is put it to work. There is nothing like good prayer patterns in our routine to keep us well rooted in Jesus. Routine, rhythm, structure, pattern hasn't always had a good press when it comes to discipleship life. Churches haven't always been good at encouraging people to be autonomous and seek Jesus. They have told them you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this and if you don't you're bad. And while we might understand why that drive, that passion of teaching people that they must do this, why, why that drive is important, we need perhaps to move past it and say, this is not about whether you meet somebody else's expectations or you are obeying human instructions. Instead, it's about saying, what is going to be good for me spiritually? What's going to help me grow? What's going to keep me strong? What's going to mean that on my front line, I'm well equipped to be the person Jesus calls me to be. And so these prayer techniques are really important. There was the pause prayer and the renewal prayer, and there are others as well. And they are worth having printed up on your fridge, or maybe if the pause prayer is an acronym, isn't it? P-A-U-S-E, they all have a different um, part to play, and learning what they all are can mean that we can draw on them uh, without having to have anything written down. If we want to be the kind of people who demonstrate the love that Jesus has shown us and are able to be part of a community of disciples that grows and strengthens one another, to be part of a movement that is recognisable for being like Jesus, then having regular ways of engaging with and rooting ourselves deeply in Jesus Having those tools at our disposal is not an optional thing that we might tack on. It's not a question of saying, well, I know the theological basis of what I believe and that'll do for me as a disciple. We don't get that option. We simply have to say, if I'm going to be a disciple, then it becomes about 
when the rubber hits the road, or making sure that it does. It becomes about how we back each other up. It becomes about saying that when we get together in big groups or small ones, that we ask one another questions, that we make reference to our discipleship life, that we include one another in something which we say is so important that it's life-changing for us. And then we actually try to live our life as if we are changed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these verses in Romans 12. And we thank you for the opportunity that we've had over the last few weeks to think about what it means to have our minds changed, to be transformed. And we pray that you would help us put your love into action in our lives. That we might live among a community of disciples that actually loves and honours each other. And that we might live in a wider community that doesn't know you, but comes to see what Jesus is like by how we live. And we pray that love would fill us and overflow. Amen. Okay, we're asking our last three questions in this series. And question one comes direct from verse nine, at least in the New Living Translation. It says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. So the question is this, why might we be tempted to pretend to love others? Okay, question two is also directly from the text. And this one is from verse 13. It says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, the question is this, what might make you less eager to practice hospitality? Okay, our final question. We're going to go to verse 18 for this one. It says this, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So the question is this, who do you find it hard to live in peace with? And what might you do about that? Well, that's it for this series. I do hope that those of you who have a book will keep it and refer back to it. I hope that those who have missed some uh, or all of the videos are going to get a chance to revisit some of those. And I pray that in the months to come, we'll be able to come back and look at some of the techniques that have been introduced to us here and revisit them and maybe relearn how to use them again or, or refresh our use of them. And my hope is that as small groups, we will become better and better at supporting each other to grow on our front lines. That's it from me. Do take good care. I'll see you soon. God bless.